0: Welcome to Geek Exploration, the
1: podcast where we all go a little mad sometimes. I'm Ben Robinson. And I'm John Williams. Grab your wig, your paisley dress, and a big ass sharp knife. And don't forget your mommy issues. We're talking psycho. Been. Hey, John. How are you? I'm doing well, uh, despite having to work this weekend. But we made it work, and here we are up in the booth, uh, recording about one of my, uh, one of my, yeah, one of my favorite film franchises. I mean, um, at I, least a film franchise spawned from one of my favorite yeah, films. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, I I agree more with that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. We went out to an air show this morning and uh, it was hot. Weather talk. But it was pretty cool. Odin was super excited. There was an F-22 Raptor there doing like a demo. Holy fuck. That thing's amazing. Yeah. I have never seen a plane do things this plane
1: did. It was rad. What was it like, sensual? Pretty much. A plane's never done (laughs) things like this to me before. Made me feel
0: things I'd never felt.
1: Yeah, yeah. Berlin's Take My Breath Away came on. Things that seemed like physics defying yeah like that you would
0: do with like a toy airplane or some shit it was awe-inspiring like i I did not expect to be that blown away by an airplane flying around
1: yeah you got to figure 70 years later the u.s government finally thinks you're ready to start you know they can start phasing in some of that alien spacecraft technology Yeah, Yeah. made
0: that reference because like me this thing it it could take off and then it just goes straight up like me just like from takeoff, like, immediately go straight up and then go, like, three, four hundred feet in the air. And then, like, at the top, it just did, like, like, the tightest loop I've ever seen. I mean, it was probably, like, twice the length of the, the entire plane. It was able to just and flip around.
1: Yeah. Like us doing a, a backflip in the swimming pool or something. Yeah.
0: yeah, it was fucking nuts. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. How awesome. About
1: you? I'm a, I mean... Like I said, yeah, I worked Ugh. this weekend. <laughs> Barf. Yeah. yeah, we had a couple days shooting at a, uh, at a new location. Oh, you know what I did today and yesterday? I, for the very first time, tried a plant-based protein meat substitute. Oh, yeah? Which one? Um, there's, a, uh, there's a restaurant out in Sacramento that was directly below where we were shooting called Plant Power. Apparently, it's all over L.A. now. And um, they've got burgers and chicken stuff. I had a buffalo chicken sandwich yesterday fucking amazing. Really? Like, I mean, yes, it was very, very tasty. It was so much better than I thought it would be. I mean, I think texturally it was probably close to like, you know, a Tyson chicken patty or yeah, you know, processed. A, a gas station. Yeah. But, but I mean, I love those sandwiches, so yeah. it's not, it's not a dig when I say that. Um, but it was very, very tasty and I ate the whole thing and it was great. And then I went back today at the end of the shoot and got some of their nuggets, which knowing it was plant-based, I could I could tell the difference, you know, it was yeah. the uh, people that had tried it before were saying like, Hey, it's just like McDonald's. I'm like, mm, come on guys. <laughs> uh, but it was still really tasty. Got nice. some barbecue sauce and some Buffalo sauce and their fries are really good too. Yeah. That kind of stuff doesn't need
0: to taste exactly like chicken as long as it still tastes
1: good. Like, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. As long as it doesn't taste like cardboard or doesn't have a slimy texture. I'm still afraid to try a burger. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to do that. If somebody buys me one, I will try it.
0: Is it more expensive still than actual, like just getting a chicken sandwich? Um,
1: not from a restaurant, okay. But and and this place does have kind of like not fast food, but maybe like uh, you know, like the Habit or Smash Burger, or, you know, one of the, one of those burger places that's not quite a restaurant but not fast food. Yeah, they still like a walk up counter to get your stuff. Yeah, like taqueria style.
0: Yeah, because I remember like I tried it when they came out at Carl's Junior. That I think was Impossible is the one that they do.
1: It, it wasn't great. It
0: wasn't bad, but it wasn't better than the standard beef one, and it was like $2 more expensive. So it's like, I'm not going to buy this.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. It's uh, expensive, or, or it's cheap to eat like shit. Yeah. Go America. <laughs> um, but Psycho? Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, <laughs> we, we are, of course, Geek Exploration, the podcast. We are two gentle sirs that, uh, that talk about geeky shit from our childhood and uh, beyond. Occasionally before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just shit we love. And uh, if you want to suggest a topic, well, never mind. Maybe I shouldn't do that because we're going on hiatus. Well, you can suggest the topic for our next yes. episode. Yeah. <laughs> suggest uh, the topic for our next Halloween episode, which will be our last episode before we go on a uh, just a little break for a little while so I can take care of some shit. You can do that by contacting us at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. You can find us on the social medias, geek Exploration the podcast page. Uh, Instagram geek exploration podcast or Twitter at geek explore pod, or you can call us and that's the best way to do it. Cause we'll play your call on the air and we'll respond to you. I'm um, one six orc turd. That is nine one six O R C T U R D. Yeah. All right. So yes, psycho. Uh, you know, it, a lot of these times we start off the episode and I'm like, I love this so much. This was so instrumental to me. This is, has a, is near and dear to my heart. Um that is also the case with this one. <laughs> I um, use this
0: as the model for all of my murders.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh it taught me at an early age, you know, that that a swamp can be your best friend. Now, um I've had a top 3 favorite movies list for a long time and I've always had like a rotating third spot. You know, my my three favorite or you know, the top 2 that always stay there are Princess Bride and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And for a very long time before it was a rotating spot, Psycho was the other movie in there. All P movies, weirdly enough.
0: Well, you got a thing for P's, huh? Superman was probably on there at some point. And it begins with an S.
2: No.
1: No, never made the top three. No, because as much as I love that movie, like I need more for it to be my favorite. You know, and like I loved how it how it always, you know, the, the three of them encompassed all the genres I cared about. You know, like Pee-Wee was was humor and you know, kind of dark. Ah, uh, Princess Bride was adventure and true love, and then and, psycho and was kind of humor, yeah, oh yeah, definitely, yeah, and psycho did not really have much humor no. um, except for a rich dude trying to hit on a lady and throwing a bunch of money at a house <laughs> um yeah, so this movie is very special to me
0: I think i we we talked about it a bit on our slashers episode. I can i Imagine we did. I don't,
1: I don't, yeah. I, I, I would be shocked if, if there's anybody out there right now that was like, oh yeah, you guys said this and this and that four years ago.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll believe them, whatever they say. Yeah. Because I remember I watched this with my kids and I'm pretty sure it was, it was for the show. And so it must have been the Slasher's one. It was a while ago though, but it was, uh, it is nearly a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. I can't really find anything that I would change about you know, the original Alfred Hitchcock psycho.
1: Yeah. There's nothing there where you go like, man, this movie would be fucking awesome if they didn't do this. Yeah. It's,
0: or it's a little lacking. Like I know, like when I talked to my daughter afterwards, she got a little bored at the beginning because it's a little, it's slow to start, but it's, uh, but it's not unnecessary. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's setting characters up and, you know, kind of, you know, building the plot that uh, it gets back to later on, and it, it, it's good that it's there. Like, I think everything is done for a reason and well done.
2: Yeah.
1: Of course, this movie was, of course, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, written by Joseph Stefano, or Stefano, I don't know, based on a book by Robert Bloch. That came out cheese, like a year before they started working on the movie. It was like, you know, on the bestseller list and stuff. and apparently, like Hitchcock would just go looking for new things to option and new stories to read. Man, he was on that then. Yes, amazingly. yeah. And from the success of this one movie spawned an entire franchise, you know, even though it took a very long time to, you know, it took until 1983 to get to the second movie. But from there, there, you know, there were a total of four movies from the the original Anthony Perkins. Norman Bates role there was five seasons of a TV series Bates Motel there was a remake starring Vince Vaughn and there were also two book sequels so this thing has grown awfully big you know and and I think I think it's very safe to say that it was just because of the brilliance of Alfred Hitchcock and Joseph Stefano and the first movie and Anthony Perkins and everybody involved with the first movie is what turned this into a big giant thing so I think I imagine the uh, the focus of today would probably be on on the original movie, or at least we'd have the most to say about it.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. I, that, I mean, that's where most of my experience lies. Like, like when you said let's do Psycho, I was like, sure, that's easy. Fuck yeah, let's do that. Because I knew there was Psycho, and I'd heard there was Psycho too. I'd never seen it before, and then like I'm like, all right, cool. And then you mentioned something about if I was going to watch all the movies and I was like, there's only two, right? And you're like, there's five. And I was like, Oh shit. And a TV series, fuck and books. And I'm like, Oh no. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: so I'm going to come into this one, uh, a bit of the dummy on some of that stuff. Cause I got, I got, I was able to watch psycho two for the first time. Mm-hmm. And like half of psycho three and did not watch
1: psycho four. I saw the remake years ago and had just totally forgotten about it. Uh, and have not read any of the books. So I got to say, I really enjoyed watching Psycho 2 with you the other night because I've seen it several times over the years. But, you know, there's something about watching a movie that you know well with somebody when it's their first time that you pay more attention. You're curious what they think. So I got to look at it through different eyes and even, you know, ask you like halfway through, like, what do you think is happening here? Because they were throwing out a lot of red herrings and a lot of directions things could be going. But, I mean, I've, I've watched... The four movies throughout my life, you know, I've, I've probably like as they go along, I've probably seen them less and less. Of course, I've seen the first one the most. Yes.
0: That's the appropriate way, generally. With yeah, movies. Like, yeah.
1: Um, and then I listened to the first two books on uh, audiobook and I didn't get through the third one. I, I hit a point last week where I was like, well, I'm either going to watch all the movies or listen to this book. And I don't think people need to hear about Psycho House. And I started preparing for this episode months ago by watching all five seasons of The Bates Motel. So I feel like, like I'm, I've at least ingested yeah, everything good. or most everything that they really have to offer. I'll lean on you for the expertise <laughs> that I'll, I'll be your Ed McMahon. Yeah. So what was your first impression of Psycho, Mr. Robinson? I was trying to think of this. I did not
0: see Psycho as a kid,
1: mm-hmm. like at all. I
0: don't think it was until... I think i might have watched it with you and it was probably when i was like 20 somewhere around there the first time that i saw psycho
1: where did we watch it uh, i think at the casabella house okay yeah yes yeah, so we would have been like 22
0: yeah somewhere around there and uh like i remember enjoying it and like like kind of being surprised because i didn't back in my youth like i didn't watch much older stuff like it was like, ah, black and white that's probably boring and dumb and I don't mm-hmm. need to watch that. And I remember Psycho was one of the, it wasn't the first black and white movie I'd watched, but it was one of the first ones that I watched and was like, oh shit, there was some fairly sophisticated, well-made cinema back then. It wasn't all just, you know, guys in, in suits slapping women and... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and talking like this, and uh, you know, like it wasn't because some of the stuff I'd see, it was just kind of cheesy, or it was like old westerns, you know, where it's just kind of it was a bit generic, and
1: yeah, it wasn't Bogart, it wasn't Errol Flynn, yeah, exactly, like it was something that was you
0: know really well crafted, and and I think it was what got me in because I'd seen one Alfred Hitchcock movie before Psycho, which was The Birds, yeah, and it was okay, but it wasn't great probably one of his weaker films in my opinion.
1: Yeah, kind of surprising that it's as popular as it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 just it's more of like it's almost it's more like a twilight zone episode like what if birds wanted to kill people. Yeah. Then something that actually has some real suspense and makes you think behind it like, you know, like Rear Window is really good. I mm-hmm. love Rear Window. So so it was the first Hitchcock movie that I saw and I was like, okay, this guy's interesting. I should see what else he's got. And it was, you know, one of the first black and white movies that made me realize like, there's some good cinema prior to, you know, the mid 60s out there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, they, they were already doing uh, movies in the theaters in color. You know, like the, they did Psycho right after they did North by Northwest and Hitchcock decided to do black and white rather than do color. Like yeah. he, he wanted to go black and white, go low budget. Uses TV show crew from uh, from Alfred Hitchcock presents like he had the edict to make it for under a million dollars, which at that point, you know, for for the type of uh, films he made, like even that was unheard of. Like people were like you're nuts, but he's a visionary. And I think it works. It w- It would feel
0: so much different if it was in color, I think.
1: Yeah. Like- so much so that I mean. I wanted to watch Psycho 2 in black and white. I wanted to do a double feature because I've heard that's really good, but I didn't get a chance to do it. But I did watch Psycho 3 in black and white, and I, I switched it to black and white like 20 minutes in, and all of a sudden it was a different movie. And I, and I, I loved it so much more. Like, it felt like Psycho. Really? Yeah, it was, it was wild. I, I even watched some Weird. of the remake in black and white.
0: Interesting. I mean, there's nothing really... That takes you out of the period there, like the, everything they've got, like the, the motif is still very kind of old, other than some of the music. Yeah. There's nothing that really tells you this was the eighties. Yeah.
1: Except the tits. Well, you know, <laughs>
0: there was almost some boob in the original cycle. Yeah, like, like I, I, like it's been a while, like I said, I, like I watched the first one a while ago, but in psycho two, it's kind of weird. They start with like the murder scene from the original psycho, which, which is kind of an odd choice, but. Like, remember? Yeah, he's like, yeah. <laughs> you've seen this movie, right? Pop not, culture. Here's the quick and dirty on what happened. But in that scene, like, there's some, like, blurry side boob. Like, you don't see any, like, full-on clear tits and nips. But for the time that that came out, I imagine that uh, the amount of nudity that it had in it
1: was probably pretty racy. Well, basically, back then, you couldn't. Like, like, or it wasn't that, I don't know if it was that you couldn't, I mean, it must have been that you couldn't, but you didn't put nudity in movies, no, no. Like especially studio pictures. Like there just wasn't nudity. So they worked really hard to get as close as they could without doing it. Like they used, um, moleskin to cover up her, uh, her parts, you know, and so it would, so it would look like skin. And then they, they also did tests with like nude models where, where they would, um, they were trying different, um. What's the word I'm looking for? Because it's not thickness, but like, you know, opacity for different shower curtains. They'd bring a nude model in so you could see just how thick it had to be and opaque to where you to could not it. see nips. Yeah. Yeah. And, and ju- just see enough to get away with it. Um, I mean, the, the racier thing was that this was the first movie that ever showed a toilet and then also a toilet flushing.
0: Which is so bizarre that that's the thing people would get upset about. Yeah. Be like, hold on, hold on. People don't poop. You can't insinuate that people have been pooping in this movie. That's entirely, murder the woman all you want, but keep the
1: poop out of it. That's strange to think that up until that point in 1960, people had just never seen, like they'd seen bathrooms, but there were just never toilets. And apparently the writer, Joseph uh, Stefano, made it a point. He's like, I want to see the toilet. And Hitchcock told him like, then write it into the script like put it there you know that that she throws that thing into the toilet and flushes it cuz apparently it always frustrated him that that there were bathrooms in movies and never a toilet
0: and hitchcock had some pull at this point like this was not early in his career like nope. he he had his show like he was a big name in hollywood yeah and and could kind of swing his hefty gut around to make things happen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know, like I said, they had just finished up North by Northwest and he was looking for his next, next project. So he called around, like he he talked to his assistant and um, he heard about this book. So he picked one up and read it. And um, his, I guess his contract was just coming up with Paramount and he'd already been working with, um, with universal a bit and uh, nobody had, had optioned it. Nobody had any sort of claim on it. So he's just like, let's do it. And um, he read the book, loved it. Um, then went to hire Joseph. St- well, sorry, somebody recommended Joseph Stefano to him because he was like a young up and comer and Hitchcock apparently didn't really work with young writers much, but, um, they apparently got on well and Stefano gave him a little treatment and Hitchcock took it and uh, his wife read it. Cause apparently his wife was like half of, you know, the deciding factor of what Hitchcock oh, really? did. Yeah. Like she read everything. Oh, she cool. read every screenplay. And, you know, she called things out when she didn't like him. And Hitchcock totally let her. She's probably the only person who could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because
0: from what I've heard, he didn't take a lot of shit from anybody. Like, like
1: his pictures were done his way or you could get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of actors that apparently um, I, I saw an interview with Janet Lee. A lot of actors hated him because he, yeah. he would tell them, like, when my camera moves, that's when you move. Like, you follow me. And people felt like hampered by it. Yeah, they felt like like he was going too far directing, but apparently Janet Lee, like she said, she saw it as a challenge. Like, okay, I'm I'm gonna find my motivation. I'm gonna find the reason why my character would move at this time when he's moving. And um, and I think that's I think that's pretty cool because I, well, there's a lot that went out, went around about Hitchcock and Tippi Hedren, and, yeah. and how abusive and controlling he was. Yeah, he was a
0: total asshole to her. Yeah, on on purpose to to you know to try and get a performance out of her. Yeah. that was you know i mean i guess it it worked like if you look at the results of what he did like he pulled it off like he made some great fucking movies yeah but uh yeah the guy was kind of it was kind of a
1: dick yeah if the the stories are true that he basically ruined her career after she rejected him then that's pretty fucked up yeah yeah that's
0: and that yeah and that's not making a movie any better that's just being a petty shithead yeah
1: (laughs) apparently the the first draft that joseph stefano turned into Hitchcock is the one they shot like, wow. Oh, yeah. And it was, uh, it was Stefano who, um, who took the story and decided to, Oh wait, uh, spoilers.
2: Eh. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, decided to frame the beginning around Marion crane. Like they set up this story of like a damsel in distress. Who's in the middle of a, of a love affair with a man who, who can't marry her. And, you know, she has this moment where, you know, there's this big pile of money is in front of her and she's like, I'm going to run away and we're going to get married and things are going to be okay. I'm going to take this one time in my life to do something wrong, but it's for a good cause. It's going to, you know, it'll work out. And, you know, to, to have cast a star like Janet Lee in that role, you know, people are invested. They're like, okay, this is Marion Crane's story. Like, here we go. She,
2: yeah. she did something oh, fucked
1: yeah. up, but you know, it's all for love. And then they introduce Norman Bates. And you're like, oh, this guy's awkward. Okay, there's going to be a little love triangle here. This
0: movie's called Psycho. I don't think she's the <laughs> psycho.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and then to just, what, like 20, 30 minutes in? Yeah. To just turn it on its head. And fucking kill her. Gone. A
0: brilliant fucking move. I remember the first time I saw it being surprised, because I, I had known about the scene, you know, because it, it's a thing that's been out there, you know, the, yeah the sound of this, the psycho murder and, mm-hmm. you know, the shower scene, pulling the curtain back, stabbing, you know, the whole nine. Like, I'd seen plays on that here and there. I, like, I I knew it was coming at some point. Uh, I definitely did not expect that it would be, like, at the beginning of the movie, essentially. Yeah. Like, it, it kind of kicks... It doesn't kick things off, but, I mean, it is much sooner than you, you expect it. And I imagine for, like, theater-going
1: audiences that had no idea what to expect at all, that was completely shocking yeah the rug is pulled and and i mean i'm sure when you're watching that scene you're like oh man she's getting attacked she'll be okay and then she flops over in that you know open eye shot that took forever like oh she's dead Th- this totally like unhinged our expectations yeah. of this movie like yeah, where does
0: the story go now the main yeah, character is not just her murdered. story it's like pulling a fucking uh, game of thrones thing you know like where, where that's where you realize like oh shit things are getting
1: real Yeah, man. And then all of a sudden, it's Norman's story. Yeah. Marion's still there because everyone's looking for, but I mean, it is Norman's story. And speaking of Norman, Anthony Perkins, like what a fucking master.
0: Do you know how much did he have in crafting that character? Like, because like we said, Hitchcock was famously controlling. So uh, like, do you know how much direction he gave Anthony Perkins and how much Anthony Perkins was able to... Bring to that character because he absolutely defines Norman Bates. Like, yeah, I haven't seen the fourth one, but through the the other movies that I've seen, two and three, he's fucking on point. He's one hundred percent still Norman Bates. All his weird little mannerisms and the way he talks, and just, just everything about him, like he's is a very particular character.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, first off, like I know that Joseph Stefano said that Norman Bates like affected. Anthony Perkins, like after that first one, like, like it sort of changed who he was and how he acted, which is interesting. But I, but I don't know for sure how much was, was his doing and how much was Hitchcock's like, like they, um, some people have referenced like his stutter when he, when he gets nervous, when he's talking to Arbogast and nobody knows for, for sure if it, if it was Tony Perkins or Hitchcock suggesting that sort of thing. But when, when Stefano was writing the script, they decided that they needed Norman to be a, a more sympathetic character because in the book, I mean, spoiler, we'll talk about the book a little yeah, bit later. Yeah, I'm curious in yeah. the book. He's like a middle-aged fat, sweaty dude who drinks and, and, you know, he's a peeping Tom, but like he's more lecherous in the, in the book.
0: He's like, what would
1: be then like the, uh, like a, a
0: drunk neckbeard living in his mom's <laughs> yeah. basement.
1: Yeah. And, um, and they wanted a norman bates who who you could actually sympathize with like like a a young handsome man who's in in a cage you know like even though even though he's he's got issues of his own like there are also issues that were put upon him you know so so he yeah. is a sympathetic character to a degree and when you're watching him like you don't want to believe i mean i mean especially if you didn't know the entire story like you should be watching this thinking like this is just a man who, who is living under the boot heel of his evil, murderous mother.
0: Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, uh, you know, again, spoilers. Yeah. But when you watch the movie the first time, like, you don't know his mom's dead. No. Like, you think his mom's murdering. Him. Like, it's not him. He's just some poor, awkward guy that's caught up in this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a dutiful son who's cleaning up after his, cra- his psycho mother. And um, I'll go to my first impression. Oh uh,
0: shit, we totally skipped that, didn't yeah.
1: we? <laughs> <laughs> the conversation flowed. You know where the first place I saw this was? Everyone, say it along with Ben Preston's house? Yeah, Preston's house. His uh, we watched a lot of Hitchcock movies there growing up. You know, that's where we watched all our horror movies. But I didn't I didn't know the ending. You know, I was young. I was probably, I don't know, twelve years old or something. I, I can't say for sure. I was I, I was older than like little little kid, but his dad was just so insistent that we watch this and that we watch it to the end. And it was, it was a wild experience to actually go through all of this. And then in the end, you know, seeing that it's Norman as mother, you're just like, holy shit. Like it it was, it was great. It was mind blowing. So I will always appreciate Preston's dad for that.
0: I kind of tried to do the same thing with Odin. I think we, I know we talked about this on the show before, but whatever, mm-hmm. like I had Odin watch it to the end, but like, before we got to like the big reveal, he like leaned over to me and, and, and was like, he's like, like, like he called it. Yeah. And he was like 10, but like kids I,
1: are sophisticated.
0: Well, and I think that's the thing, like that kind of twist and the foreshadowing that was there, like it's there. Like when you go back and rewatch it for a second time, you're like, oh, okay. Like I'm, I'm starting to pick up what they're putting down. And with a lot of older movies, like, you know, you watch him now and you're like, oh, that's kind of cliched. We're like, no, it, it like, but it wasn't when this was made. Yeah. Now with everything that he's seen, like it was easy for him to kind of follow that thread and guess that that was the twist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not showing mother face on and Norman's always gone when this sort of thing happens. Like, like that right there, it's, it's like, oh, of course it's him.
0: Yeah. You only, you only hear them talking to each other when, you know, like when you're looking at a window from the outside or. Yeah. Like you you don't see any actual interaction between them. And yeah, like he was, I I guess sophisticated is probably the right word. Like he's he's just seen enough media and stuff that he was able to just like click on that.
1: Yeah. My kid will do that every once in a while too. Just like call something out. I'm like, how do you know this? You little jerk. I wanted you to be surprised.
0: Yeah. Because the, the conventions that these movies built have been used again and again and again and again since then. So like, it seems like cliched and overdone, but like, this was when it was done first. Like this yeah. is this built the convention.
1: Yeah. And like when we are watching suspense movies where we know there's a twist or there's something weird going on, we're looking for that stuff because, yeah. because it, yeah, it's, it's been a part of our, our lives for decades.
0: Which is kind of a bummer that like that. Oh shit. Moment. Didn't like, he didn't get it because.
1: Yeah. He
0: figured it out. I mean, I bet it was gratifying still. Cause I didn't like, I didn't say anything when he when he called it out to me. I was like, oh, yeah. I keep yeah. watching. Like, I'm not gonna be like, oh, you got it.
2: Yeah.
1: Good job, kid.
0: Get so, out of here. So when he saw it happen, he was like, he, "Like, you know, he instead of like shock, he got gratification. So he still He's got like, oh, something out of it. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah.
2: I,
1: I love when like when we're watching a, a a suspenseful movie or a movie that, you know, you're trying to figure something out. If I've got a theory, I'll like type it into my phone so that after the movie's over, you know, if I got it right, I can like show it to Angelina. and be like, ha, 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 I called it but I'm usually wrong. Angelina's right all the time. Like I'm, I, she's not allowed to say anything anymore. Because, <laughs> she just ruins it. Yeah. She says it, you know, as like a theory. And then I think about, it, I'm like, of course you're right. Fuck. And, and then it, it, it deflates it. My parents would do the same thing with the twilight zone episode when, oh. when I was younger. Yeah. Like just shut up. I want, I'm, I'm, I'm in for the twist. And I mean, other things that, that were so brilliant about this original movie I mean, we we talked about the shower scene. Like, have you seen the storyboards for that? The storyboards? No, I haven't. I remember when I was going to animation school; it's probably for you know just storyboard um, teaching. We saw the uh, the Saul Bass storyboards where like they mapped out like every single quick little cut because that's the thing with that with that um, that shower scene. What makes it so brilliant is all of these flash cuts that they throw in have all different angles and it's so frenetic and it it actually like times out to where like it it feels like 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 the cuts are stabs
0: oh, yeah, and yeah and they go along with that eh, eh,
1: yeah eh, eh. and then and if you notice what, it, what a lot of people don't don't notice is that there's never one shot of a knife entering flesh in that whole scene no there's
0: not yeah there's there's no real gore in it yeah. I mean, there's not even really much in the way of Blood, like they do, you know, you you see a little bit of it, like dripping on the shower floor Mm -hmm. or down the drain. uh But like, there is, there is nothing. It's not graphic, yeah, at all. And like, it does have the
1: sounds, which tricks people.
0: Oh yeah, well yeah, it it feels like without any like '80s, you know, what we're used to from like an '80s slasher movie, fucking super gore, like in the second one where he like stabs through the lady's head. Yeah. Uh, but like without anything really graphic and and you know special effects heavy like that, uh, it still feels like she's getting the shit murdered out of her. Yeah, <laughs> like it's still really effective as a murder scene.
1: Yeah, and and it's it's so great that like people will swear that there are shots of a knife entering flesh or that there are tits, but that that scene was designed very specifically. To make you feel like you're seeing that without actually seeing it.
0: Yeah. And it's like, great. There's one shot where there's like a, a very blurry side boob. And that's the closest thing you get to boobs in that.
1: Yeah. I remember being tricked by when I was younger, where like, I could have sworn that when she's like reaching forward and the camera's pulled back after all the stabbing and everything, that there was a nip there. And sure enough, there isn't. Oh, no, they couldn't there's, get away with that. No, there's like a shadow that... That if you really wanted to trick yourself, you could believe it was a, like a, like a blurred out nip, but no.
0: Throwing a nipple into a movie from 1960 would have been a bridge too far. I don't even know if Alfred Hitchcock could have pulled that shit off.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't long before he was able to throw boobs into the, I remember watching, um, Frenzy, which I think that was actually from the seventies. Now that I think about it,
0: by the time you get to the seventies, yeah. there's boobs fucking
1: everywhere. Yeah, but like over it. at Preston's house, you know, we we're like, it was okay. And I think this movie was still PG. And then all of a sudden, there were were a couple of boobs there on a, I think it was a corpse, that they were pulling out of the river. I'm like, whoa! Especially being at a Mormon house, you know, (laughs) and and seeing some boobs. We're like, oh, we're definitely getting away with something. Oh, they're dead boobs. Those don't count, right? (laughs) Oh... that creates a, a whole different, uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, Don't tell you, cause I, son, you're only allowed to look at dead people's boobs. Like, yeah. hey, you're going to make some weird fetishes.
1: You're going to make some <laughs> Norman Bates's, but I mean, the story of psycho is so fucking brilliant that, you know, not only the way it was structured, you know, to, to kill off your, your protagonist in the beginning, but also just like the idea that you could craft a, a film, about a man who's murdering people as his own mother, like a man who, whose mind is so fractured that he actually has conversations yeah, with He
0: believes his, his mother. dead mother is still alive and still uh, taunting and badgering and abusing him. Yeah. Like, she must have been a real piece of shit
1: yeah. when she was alive to, <laughs> to really
0: fuck this kid up that bad.
1: Yeah, if you watch Psycho 4, there's at least one, uh, one pretty decent explanation. I might do that someday, because <laughs> I have not yet. So the story is Norman Bates uh, or Norma Bates, his mother, met a man and through his jealousy, you know, he killed his mother and her boyfriend yeah. with a, a strychnine. Her, Yeah. Yeah. And to have such guilt over that to snag your mom's dead body. And if you're already into taxidermy, you know, you can preserve it to a degree. And just have it sitting up in the window and, to, like I said, have conversation. But I, I love that. Yeah. Pointing out that he still creates her in a way that's not favorable. yeah. You know, like he recreates her in, yeah. in a way to where he's still a victim.
0: Yeah, because he still, I mean, he obviously loves her mm-hmm. to a degree and he's guilty that he killed her. But she's, she only retained like her most monstrous qualities for some reason. Like he didn't imagine her to be like the loving mother he wanted or that she probably was at some points. Yeah. She's like his anti-conscience, you know, like he wants to be a good person, but she's just
1: dragging him down. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to watch how, I mean, they, they have this big, like, expository explanation by a, by a psychiatrist in the end of the movie about how, like, Norman's own feelings of his mother, you know, like having a weird, like, I don't know if it was an Oedipus complex or what, but, you know, like having a weird relationship with your mother that, that wasn't sexual, but verged on, you know, like feelings like that. Well, I guess that's coming from, from psycho four, actually. Sorry. That's how they play it. You know, that, that it was just like having, having a degree of romantic um, feelings for your mother because you don't know anything else because you're so close.
0: And she wouldn't allow it. Like even in the first one, you know, she says stuff like I'm the only one that's ever going to love you and won't let him near other women like he's not allowed to have affection for anyone but his mother
1: yeah they're all dirty whores and 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 so it was his jealousy that that killed his mother and her boyfriend and thus he turns it on himself so when he has romantic feelings for someone the mother inside of him demands that 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 person be killed the mother the you know in quotes mother inside of his head gets jealous the way he would have yeah i don't know it's it's complex and it's brilliant. And I love this movie to death. Like, I don't, I don't think this is something we need to go beat by beat through. Like,
0: no, no, no,
1: all. Everyone, if you haven't seen psycho, like do yourself a favor and go do it. You know, one of the people I was working with today, our director of photography, I was talking about how we were going to do this episode. And he's like, you know, I've never seen any other psycho movies. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, like shit. you're an actor and, 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 uh, especially a as a d- yeah, director you
0: know? of photography, like
1: this is a, it's a beautifully shot movie. It is.
0: Like, like everything is so deliberate and purposeful in this whole movie.
1: And, and it's just, it's,
0: it's excellent. He should definitely
2: watch it.
1: And Hitchcock demanded that too. Like he demanded perfection. He would, he would allow his crew to go and do it. But, but like he, he also expected them to do it right. Like there, there was a story about when they were shooting the, um, the scene when Marion pulls up and it's pouring rain and the, the, uh, the guy, um, fuck I'm completely spacing on his name but but the uh the cinematographer or director of photography or whoever it was he was pretty young for the time he had everything like lit they had the rain going like they were about to start shooting and like they 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 started up and then at the end of the take hitchcock's just like you didn't do your job like you didn't you didn't do it right and he's like what like i i tried to cover everything and apparently he he pointed up to the sky there's a full moon in the sky
2: so it's supposed to be a rainy, stormy <laughs> night. And there's a big
1: ass full moon. So what they ended up doing so they wouldn't lose the day is they, they had some crewmen with giant black sheets just and stuff. cover the moon. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> as the moon moved through the sky, they blocked the moon from the camera. Well, they got their shots.
0: I love the way they, they figured shit out on old movies. Oh, it's the best. They just did it. They'd have a
1: problem and they would just figure out some way. And it was just generally solved. By, like, raw manpower. <laughs> you know, and, and to a degree, that's kind of how, how, you know, even though we're not shooting films, we're doing, you know, instructional videos, but we're creating, you know, narrative scenes. And it's just a crew of, like, three of us. So, like, these last couple of days, there were certain, you know, we had some parts where, where we're like, okay, we can't shoot this like we wanted to because we don't have space. So, what, what do we do? And you have to troubleshoot. And it's a lot of fun. It's, it's really cool having the idea that saves the shot.
0: Well, yeah. And, and like, like with what you're doing as well as with what they were doing, like, you can't just be like, let's CGI the moon out later.
1: Yeah. Like this, there
0: wasn't an option.
1: No shit. I, I, there's probably once per shoot where I make a joke, like I'll fix it in post or I'll I, like, and in fact, this one was like, eh, if they don't like it, I'll just CGI that finger out of there. Cause they were worried that a guy pointing <laughs> his finger was going to be offensive. Um, another thing for me that, really makes this movie and, and this series, and I'll I'll just put it out there. This is my favorite use in pop culture. So I don't have to talk about it twice and you know repeat myself, is the score. Like the oh, Bernard yeah. Herrmann psycho score from the original movie is fucking masterful. It's really good. It fits
0: the tone. Like when she's driving away after like having stolen the money, mm-hmm. it, it makes you nervous. Like you feel like you know, she's driving through the night and it's raining and she's like, she's like, she has a look of panic not like panic necessarily but she's not comfortable. And the music makes you feel that mm-hmm. as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gotten less slightly frantic feeling, but yeah, it's, it's uneasy. Yeah. And then also, you know, with that creepy cop that, that just like, even though he's just doing his job, like the way it's shot, like he looks menacing and terrifying, even though he's, he's not a bad guy. Apparently Hitchcock had a strong fear of police. I guess he like he stole something small when he was a kid and to teach to teach uh, him a lesson like his dad, like took him to the police station. And like, I don't know, th- they apparently Hitchcock would say his, his, they locked him in a cell for a certain oh, amount of time. Oh, shit. Uh, I saw an interview with his daughter who said that's probably bullshit, but, you know, they probably like they, they at least scared him. You know, so like, so cops, cops were a fear of Hitchcock's.
0: I I could see that. Like if you took your kid to the police station and like, all right, lock him up and stuck you in the jail cell for like three hours, that would leave an impression.
1: I remember being a kid and you know, I was probably like four years old and eating like a gummy something out of one of the bulk bins. And my mom wanted to teach me a lesson. Like, like we told the manager and like, and then he was supposed to like call us. She left our phone number and like he, I, I was supposed to go in and talk to him. It never happened. But like I was fucking scared shitless.
0: Yeah, I remember I, I like yeah, I was probably like six and like snagged a, a pack of gum or something. Mm-hmm. Candy, some sort of candy out of the line. And like my parents saw me like about to eat it when I got into the car and they were like, where the hell did you get that? And they hauled my ass back into the store and made me apologize, and it was super embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So I got much better at stealing stuff after that. <laughs> I didn't yeah, I was gonna say didn't stop you at
1: six. <laughs> 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 um but yeah, I mean, the the soundtrack between the the main theme, especially with, uh, you know, the very beginning with those Saul Bass uh, titles, you know, with like the, the lines going in and out oh, and all yeah. that. Yeah, like it's it's brilliant. I love it. And then there's also like the 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 lighter. I've had this stuck in my head. I've been whistling it all day, just hoping somebody would be like, hey, that's from Psycho. But but like the the, the like. like the the whole soundtrack just it makes the movie for me and and yeah you know i i love what what people say when they're when they're um comparing comic books to movies and they're like the the soundtrack is like the coloring of a movie you know the the, the colorist of the comic book is the composer of of a of a movie like it just it adds flair and mood and you know puts you in a certain place where like these static images with like circus noises and stuff would, it would feel completely different. The
0: music's almost like the emotional driver. Like Mm -hmm. you have good performances that can bring emotions out. You can have like a really gnarly, gnarly, gory scene, you know, will give that gross feeling in your stomach, but nothing pushes the emotion you're trying to, to get like a score that hits all the notes it needs to. Yeah. like it, It helps immeasurably in taking the audience where they, where you want them to go. Uh, as far as what they're feeling.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Bernard Herrmann, like, I, I'm not familiar with his other stuff. Like, apparently he was a Hollywood legend, but like, he was one of the composers that John Williams looked up to. Oh, really? Like, in his, and he may have even like apprenticed or trained with or was taught by Bernard Herrmann. So that's worked out. Yeah. The guy, the guy knew his shit and people studying him to at least one of them knew their shit too.
0: And the music in the murder scene, it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's simple, it's jarring. I mean, it's, it's perfect for what it is. Yeah. And it's probably the, you know, the iconic thing. Like if you know any music from Psycho, it's probably that. Yeah. Because it became, I guess, what would be a meme of some sort. Like that's, that's the I'm stabbing you sound. Yeah. Yeah. From now till
1: eternity. (laughs) I was just thinking that, like, I can't say for certain, but I, I think even before I saw the movie that I knew, you know, you hold up a knife and you go, re, 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 re. And that's like a scary stabbing thing, you know, that like it it was already just in the the pop culture consciousness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Like running around as a kid, pretending to stab things and making that noise and, you know, not knowing why,
1: but, uh, you did. I mean, to be honest, I think that's about all the notes I have for the first movie. Specific notes. I'll think of things later and go, fuck, I wish I would have said oh, that. Yeah, yeah, But, um, I mean, I know we already touched on it earlier, but just like Anthony Perkins, like his ability to turn it on and off, like to be a charming young man. And then to like in a, in an instant, like, like in the, in the parlor scene, he's being super friendly and affable and, you know, he's brought her dinner and they're having conversation. He's talking about, you eat like a bird. Oh, but that's. Actually a fallacy because birds eat quite a lot. You know, he's being charming. Then they start talking about mother. And then when she mentions like putting her someplace, you know, some place. He just goes dark in his he face. He does. Yeah. And, and like all he's of mad. a sudden. mad. Yeah. And, you know, the iconic line, like she just goes a little mad sometime. Like we all go a little mad sometime. Like it's not menacing, but it's like you said, dark. And then he leans back and it's gone again. It's not something like a creepy smile with like, you know, like, like a furrowed brow that, that says like, oh, I'm a psycho nutcase. So I'm going to stab and kill you. But like, there's something there that's just a, just a little off. You're like, yeah.
0: And it tells you as the audience, like that touched a nerve, like, okay, this guy, he loves his mommy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cause you hear him yelling at each other and, you know, arguing, but it kind of drives home that, you know, there's some fucking issues here. Yeah. With this guy. In the later movies too, he does like a lot of like nervous, uncomfortable looks, you know. And he's and he's able to kind of slip in and out of it and kind of play it off. And
1: yeah, a lot in his eyes. Yeah, and like his little half smile. He's,
2: he's and very person. emotive. Yeah,
0: uh, and which you know, I, I can't think of much else I've seen him in. Like I know, like I looked at looked at his filmography. Like he was in a lot of shit. Yeah, but the literally the only thing I know him from that I, is Psycho.
1: Yeah, and I remember when we were in high school and we watched *Grapes of Wrath*, talking about the the Great Depression. I remember going like, "Hey, look, that's that's Anthony Perkins." But
0: yeah, see, I hadn't seen *Psycho* yet at that point, so oh, you yeah? and I have not seen *Grapes of Wrath* since
1: then. Yeah, I don't remember anything about *Grapes of Wrath* except it was black and white and looked like Depression era dust bowl, uh, people down on their luck. I don't know. I don't know shit about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but from all the counts. Anthony Perkins was a great man, like in real life. Apparently he was just super, super kind. He was a a husband and a father, and and apparently he just, he was a great, great dude. Um, I mean, mean, he
0: he makes Norman Bates seem like a really nice, kind guy, very seamlessly
1: yeah like yeah
0: he, you know other than the murdering people like he seemed like a cool dude
1: <laughs> yeah and i guess uh when stefano and hitchcock were, were talking about norman bates like hitchcock had looked up you know some potential people for him and said you know what about tony perkins and apparently like to stefano he like thought about it. he's like the qualities of norman bates like vulnerable but you know could still you know be, be or you know uneasy and but sympathetic and uh and apparently it was just like you know, lightning struck. They're just like, of course, like he, he embodies everything that our Norman Bates is. So it was, it was like a dream casting and they didn't even know it.
0: And you were saying that he, he did a lot of theater acting.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I couldn't sit here and state anything he'd done, but I, but I just know from like interviews and behind the scenes stuff that, yeah, he, he was, he was a, a true actor, you know, from, for the star of stage and screen, Anthony Perkins. He fucking killed it.
0: So so question though, before we go on to the next movie, yeah, you read the book. yes. How, how closely does the movie follow the book? Uh, you mentioned that like the 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 characterization of Norman Bates is a little bit different, but is like plot wise and and whatnot it, like how does it
1: compare? plot and story is almost identical. Nice. yeah, it's just in the book, Norman drinks a lot and then he blacks out and then comes to and you know mother has killed what's interesting about the book is that you don't you don't have the visual like okay in the movie you're watching the movie you're you're hearing norman and mother speaking to each other but you're never seeing it and you're never seeing mother so that kind of gives you a disconnect is you know like we were talking about like with today's visual language we're like why are they not showing mother like that's an instant red flag to us but in the book it's just written like two people yeah, having a conversation. Yeah, you're
0: imagining mother existing and yeah, talking,
1: but they are in a room together, speaking to each other. She's being a, a rotten person, but they're both there talking. So it's it's interesting how like if you were reading the book, you would have no clue that mother was dead. Oh yeah, that shit would hit real hard at the end. Yeah, the other big difference is that in the book, after the shot when he kills Mary Crane, is her name of the book? He cuts her head off. Oh damn. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, in the book, Norman, Norman was, um, was inspired by Ed Gein, who was, you know, famous, what, like North mid or North, North Midwest, yeah. um, serial killer. I who, guess that was
0: that long ago. Like, like my brain always puts serial killers, like from the seventies on, like there wasn't serial killers before that, but yeah, yeah he was like the fifties yeah. or something. wasn't Yeah. He?
1: yeah. And and I mean, he I, Leatherface is also based on Ed Gein. Like he killed his his mother and his neighbors and all sorts of people. Would fucking make skin suits and make like lampshades out of human skin and shit. And he probably ate some of them. Like real despicable yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, he was he was
0: the real fucking deal.
1: Yeah, he he was loosely the inspiration for uh for Norman Bates. So you know the, yeah Norman in in the book is not a sympathetic character whatsoever. He's just a yeah, lecherous, gross reprobate.
0: I think making him sympathetic was a good move. I agree. Especially since you don't see the stuff with mother. Like if he was also a piece of shit, it 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 would be a lot easier to think that maybe it was him. Yeah. Like yeah, this poor fucking guy, he's in he's in a terrible situation. Like you're feeling bad for him mm-hmm. having to clean up after his 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 mom ruining his life over and over again so when you find out that that wasn't the case at all it hits harder
1: yeah and even though the book also starts with you're following mary crane um with the whole 40 grand and all that like i mean some of it is even like word for word like it was it was pretty fucking faithful to the book but it's definitely norman's story in in that you know like you're following this yeah i don't know it's in the book, you don't care so much about about Mary Crane. She's she's just what opens you up to Norman's story. She gets you to Norman gets killed, and great, we're out, we're off off to the races. Whereas in the movie, they make you care about Mary and Crane, yeah. and like, like you're you're invested in her. This is Janet fucking Lee. She's shown herself in a in a bra twice, and uh, that was particularly racy back then too. Especially since they open up with with her in a white one when she's innocent. And then after she's committed the 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 act, they put her in a black one. Oh, I never noticed that. Hitchcock thinks of everything. <laughs>
0: she's got those evil boobs now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but no, I definitely recommend people either read or listen to the book because it's still entertaining. It's it's fun going through a familiar story with a different spin on it, with a different Norman. You know, and even though you know what the end is, like it's fun to 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 read or listen to you know this book from 1959 that you know started this whole thing because it, it was a different language back then in uh, oh, yeah. in literature yeah was, definitely I, I love that era. is it pretty
0: pulpy As, um, or is it or is it a little bit more thoughtful
1: maybe a little bit more but yeah yeah it's i wouldn't call it yeah like, like but then again the the majority of the the fiction that i've read from the pulps is like detective stuff it's definitely not a detective story but yeah so I'm not sure.
0: Then I guess we had a long-ass break until 1983 when Psycho 2 came out. Yeah. I'd totally miss this one. Like, I watched it for the first time, like, on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. I've watched this one since I was, since I was young as well. I, I didn't look into any of the uh, the genesis of this project, you know, because the, the, the thing laying dormant for 23 years, like, the, the story didn't need a sequel. There was no sequel book yet. Uh, let me check the the date when the book came out because it it may have been a like oh they're making a movie yeah i don't know what came first psycho two the book or psycho two the movie um it's kind of a chicken and egg thing especially with the story on there but um i can only imagine it's like you know halloween hits in 1979 friday the 13th hits in 1980 1981 1982
0: like the slasher is becoming a thing and it's like hey we got the OG motherfucker mm-hmm. right here. And Hitchcock's gone at this point. I think he died in 80. Did he? Okay. So he's, he's not around anymore. So you, you don't need to worry about artistic uh, anything. You can just make a fucking slasher movie based yeah. on Psycho.
1: The second Harrison Ford and Spielberg die, yeah. Indiana Jones is getting rebooted.
2: Uh, Same yeah, thing with, yeah. with,
1: with Bob 100%. Zemeckis and, uh, and Back to the Future. Once they're gone, it's, it's happening. There's a script in a drawer ready to be made.
0: Yep, and it likely won't be good. But whatever, <laughs> it's it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I started watching this one, and it, like it was a bit of a roller coaster for me. It starts at like in a you know a like a court hearing for him mm-hmm. getting out of the loony bin, and this lady's yelling at him, and and he gets out, and then the, like the, the his doctor from the hospital's like, all right, here you go, let me drive you back to your old house first, I was like, why the fuck would you do that? That's got to be the absolute worst place for this person to go. Get, yeah. get away from there. Go somewhere else. And the characters in the beginning, they're just very, I don't know, they were very, they seem very generic. I can't remember the guy, uh, the dude from NYPD Blue that was yeah, like- Dennis the, Franz. That was the manag- manager. And, Mr. Toomey. Yeah, Toomey, yeah. And it was just like, everything was was very generic. It was pretty obvious that he was still kind of like he wasn't better. Like he sees a knife and he's like, "Oh, oh, fuck a knife!" And like he, like he's clearly having some issues still. Uh, like I said, that's it. Though Perkins was on point. Yeah, like, like he, he was. He stepped right back into the role of Norman Bates with no issues whatsoever. You showed up and you were watching it with me, and you know it got to the point where, uh, you, where we paused the movie and you are like, "What do you think's going on right now?" And I was like, "I, like, I don't know. Like, it seems like, you know, like I wasn't sure." But like, I was like, you know, it seems like Norman's back to his old games and, you know, he's, he's clearly going nuts again. Cause it's, it's slipping stuff in at you. Like, like it's leading you in multiple different directions. And then like the next 10 minutes after I played it again, like a couple, two, two reasonably sized twists happen. And I'm like, oh shit. Now I don't really know what's going on. Like I'm, I'm.
1: And now well, I'm you, invested in, in one of your in one of your theories, you know, that you were talking about how, like, oh, these people are trying to set them off. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm like, yeah, that is pretty spot on. But I love how this movie made the decision to not make it obvious, you know, like, like, like the, and, and that was something, you know, that going even back to the first one where like they're not they're, they're purposely not showing what's happening. So you can be guessing. And I love that about this one, too. Like he's getting phone calls from, quote unquote, mother. And, you know, people are getting killed and Norman doesn't have a solid alibi for any of these murders. Yeah, so and, it could be him. Yeah. These phone calls that are happening. It could just be in his head, you know, and, yeah, and you never hear the other side of it. No. And it, it was I, I, you know, honestly, I really like this movie. It's not it's not anywhere near as perfect as, as the first one, but I really love. What they did to further the mythology, I think, you know, 23 years later was the right time to do it. So it's, it's a completely different Norman. He's, he's aged, you know, he's in his forties now Yeah, and you know, he's an adult man dealing with things differently. He's not a charming, sympathetic boy anymore. You can see a a bit more of the unhinged look in his eyes on, on his more weathered face and having a Norman Bates that has, you know, quote unquote, been cured. And he's back out there. Like you want to root for him. You're, and, and yeah. you, it's, it's like, it's like a, a no lose situation for the audience. Cause you want to see him go crazy and kill people, but you also want to believe he's better. And we kind of get a little bit of both in this movie because again, spoilers, like as it turns out, you know, this woman played by Meg Tilly, who's Jennifer Tilly's sister. If, if she oh, looks really? slightly familiar. Yeah. I remember that, being that younger and sense. just being like, I swear they gotta be sisters. You know, she's the daughter of Lila from the first one, who was Marion Crane's sister, and um, and they're trying to drive Norman nuts. I think the moment the movie hooked me because like at the beginning I was like, oh no, is this movie gonna
0: suck? <laughs> oh, that's like I really like John said this movie was good, but like I'm like thirty minutes in and I'm like, I don't know if this movie's good.
1: John likes Superman
0: three. No, I was like, fuck, there's two more of these after this. <laughs> Like like I said, I was kind of suspecting that maybe Lila was gaslighting him a little bit. And then uh, when they did the scene where they revealed that Mary was her daughter, I was just like, oh,
2: snap, fuck.
0: (laughs) Like, okay, shit's getting interesting now. And then trying to piece together like, okay, so who could be killing who? And like, you know, would she go that far? Like I started questioning things. Like you weren't sure, like what you couldn't tell what was maybe in Norman's head and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then the end, they pull another twist of sorts when, uh, you know, like you think the movie's over. Uh, I mean, I guess we're spoiling the whole thing here. I
1: mean, fucking why not? Yeah.
0: You know, you get to the end and some questionable decisions are made.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe we could keep it a little vague, although unless I already made it not vague at all, because maybe there are people who haven't seen, no, fuck it. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, No, we're talking about it. Pause it and go watch Psycho 2.
0: But like the end of the movie, like Norman seems to be going insane again like yeah, he's
1: full crazy he's
0: ta- yeah he, he's got the look on it in his on his face he's talking to mother even though we know as the audience that uh who we thought was calling him his mother lila is dead yeah like she's not alive anymore and so you,
1: mary's in the room with him yes yeah, so you
0: know that it can't be either of them so you don't know if he's just talking and then mary runs and like puts on the outfit to be like and to try and like say hey look i'm your mother because she thinks he's going nuts
2: yeah
1: She tries to do a a Friday the 13th part two and stop the killer by dressing up his mother.
0: You know, and then that all escalates. More people get killed and then she gets killed. And and like, he's kind of like off scot-free and you're like, oh shit, he made it out of this
2: one.
1: Well, and at this point we can, we can safely assume that he is back and fully insane and he killed Lila.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's fully what, what, what you're thinking there. And then, uh he shovels some coal into the thing. And then I noticed he like brings a shovel upstairs. I'm like, why is he bringing a shovel upstairs? That's that's (laughs) a
1: weird thing to do. That's funny. You caught that. Cause again, I'm the perfect patsy for movies like this. I don't notice that shit. Yeah. I'm just along for the ride.
0: Why is he bringing a shovel upstairs? But yeah, then uh, the lady from the diner spool. Yeah. Mrs. Spool comes in and is like, I'm your real mother, which like, like some of that was a little part of me was like, well, this is a little deus ex machina kind of thing going on here. And then he, he kills her, and he and she's mother now, and he's he's right back where he was. But like like afterwards, I was thinking about. it, I was like, okay, well, that's like how the note got on the wheel at work and then disappeared, and because yeah. she's the one that put it there. Because like early on, you're like, are those in his head? Yeah, is that actually there, or does he was he just imagining it?
1: I was trying to watch closer. Like there are a couple things that that had to have been his imagination. Like like I, when we were watching, and I was watching very closely, knowing the ending. But this was also the first, like, I feel like there had always been several years between watching Psycho 2 to where, like, I'd forgotten the whole Mrs. Spool thing about it until the end. So this was the first time I remember where I'm, like, watching it and I'm like, oh, I remember the ending of this. So it's Mrs. Spool, like, calling him and killing people. And, and and like, it was fun watching from that angle because I would always forget it other times, you know, like, every time I'd be, like, trying to remember the mystery, you know, but. Um, and the director of this, and I think he was also one of the writers, Tom Holland, was a huge Hitchcock fan. He's from Hitchcock's school, so there's a lot of great camera work. You know, they they like established this thing that carried on through the rest of the series too. Like when uh, when Tony Perkins directed the three, where. Doing doing shots from incredibly high up at almost just like a downward angle, yeah. like with a piece of like the house and the roof there in the shot, like that that became a staple, and I love that. Like watching it, I
0: was like about halfway through, um, I was like, "This is really Hitchcockian." Like this guy is like it clearly has a lot of respect for Hitchcock and is you know is trying to make a Hitchcock esque kind of movie, and by and large, I think succeeding. Mm-hmm. Like I think he did a pretty good job of kind of tapping into that feel and look that Hitchcock had. And, and you could tell that it was done. It wasn't done because he's hit psycho and he's trying to like ape his style. Like he had a, it felt like he had a real reverence for Hitchcock's work, which, which was nice. Yeah. I guess one thing that does separate this from the first one though, is the kills are definitely more eighties. Yeah. Eighties slasher style. And, uh, that was a nice change. I like that
1: seeing that knife go into Lila's mouth and like through the right back of her head was side. great. Yeah, that was good. And like her gruesome, like face under the coal. Like when, when you see it later, like it was, yeah, this one was definitely more eighties and something I loved about slasher movies in the eighties was that the final girls and all the, all the other girls too. Like they, they weren't, you know, what came later, especially in the nineties and then increasingly in the two thousands, the early two thousands, like, they weren't like dolled up, you know, like fake, like, like it became like, you know, the WB look in, in like, yeah. I know what you did last summer and scream and shit where it's just like, oh, look at all these beautiful young people. Implausibly attractive people. Yeah. And, but like back in the eighties, like everyone just looked natural. They looked like, like somebody you would meet, you know, on the street and like Meg Tilly in that, in that maroon sweater and jeans, like she just looked like a, a natural, normal person. She looks so good in that. My goodness! And same thing with like the you know the teens that went into the fruit cellar to smoke dope and fool around. Like it just looks like a regular girl. Like it doesn't have to be fucking Paris Hilton doing a cameo in something. And you're like, get yeah. the fuck out of here! I, I know, real, real recent reference, Paris Hilton. <laughs> but like, I always go back to like a uh, House of Wax, that the remake of that they did with Paris Hilton in. It's like get her the fuck out of here. Like Alicia Cuthbert is. Enough of like a girl next door to to for me to be okay buying into it, but like Paris Hilton
0: doesn't even look like a real person. no.
1: <laughs> or like when you have like a um shit in Freddie versus jason the uh, the the other Destiny's child, not beyonce, but uh wow, I can't remember her name.: I shockingly probably never knew it, so. Oops. I'm, well, sure,
0: I'm sure she was a screen legend.
1: <laughs> oh, it was it was distracting. Hey, speaking of screen legends, our sound guy we were working with today recommended the movie Thief with uh with Jimmy Kahn. He said it's really good. It was like Michael Mann's first picture. Oh yeah? Yeah, he said it's real good. So never seen it. Nope, me either. So do we want to touch on Psycho 2, the book, and then take a break?
0: Before we get off the kills, the last kill in that movie. When he whacks her over the head with the shovel, oh jeez, it looks great. Like, it's it, so good. It looks like he whacked her over the head with the shovel. Like, I th- I'm pretty sure that's her in the shot.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It was. It was a winner. It's not a
0: dummy. If he pulled it before he actually hit her, it doesn't look like it. It had to have been like, foam. Something. Yeah. But it like the you know they got the, the, the Foley of the uh, the the sound of it whacking her head just sounds. I mean, and then she like twitches on the ground a bunch uh-huh. when she's down. Like it's one of the best shovel head wax i've ever seen
1: i beautiful i was so stoked to be there when you experienced it for the first time like i was kind of bummed that there was no like whoa or like jumping out of your seat or anything but like i yeah i remember the first time i saw that and just being like what the fuck because i i had forgot I, I wasn't thinking about the shovel sitting there and then all of a sudden he just lifts it up and you're like wait what because yeah, i fully expected whack. him to poison her because yeah. he goes and like grabs the the
0: metal T tin yeah and gives her tea so i thought she was gonna like choke and and get poisoned no he just whacks that bitch in the head with a shovel it was fucking great (laughs) so like in the end when that movie ended i was like i really enjoyed that
1: yeah it was a good flick it was totally worth watching
0: yeah it it was just it it was like i said it was a roller coaster for me because i I started out like thinking like thinking like oh this is this is supposed to be good and be like oh god it's terrible and then, then came back up to like, oh, what, what's happening? And ending it, it's good.
1: So like, it was, It's good. I like it. It was, a
0: fun, uh, it was a fun
1: ride. Well, jumping over to the book Psycho 2, I just looked it up. It was apparently written in 1982. So oh. what, what, I don't know this for sure, but I, I feel confident in guessing that Robert Block hears they're making they're going to you know they're going to make a sequel to the movie and he's like fuck that this is my character i'm going to write a book i can write a book faster than they can make a movie yeah and <laughs> so basically the the elevator pitch that i remember from years and years ago when i first heard about it was norman breaks out of the asylum here's they're going to be making a movie and he goes to hollywood to kill people
2: <laughs> what really
0: yeah <laughs> i love that
1: yeah um so do you
0: know if he was upset about the movie? Like, was he not getting money for it or something? I or? don't
1: know, but but there there is uh there is a line in the book that that I'm gonna have to paraphrase, but it harkened back to the new Matrix movie thing where it was like, you know, people are questioning whether or not you should be making a movie about this guy, and they're like, Well, if we don't, somebody else will. So it was sort of like uh, you know, maybe maybe that's maybe that's that was Robert Bloch's thing where it's like, well. I better make, I better make another thing. Otherwise somebody else is going to do it. Like I, I need to control the narrative here and he probably was pissed. So he's like, all right, let's have, let's have Norman go kill these fucks that, uh, that aren't paying me or maybe they weren't consulting him for, for story.
0: That's fucking brilliant. I love that. I love, I love when authors like self insert vengeance.
1: <laughs> so in this, they, they have Norman break out of um, break out of the asylum in the beginning by like, there's a big ass storm and uh, like a giant storm, and there are some nuns visiting the uh, the asylum, and one of them is kind of fascinated with Norman. Of course, he kills her, goes out to like the van where the other nun is, kills her too, and ooh, I totally forgot until now, he has sex with the nun's corpse.
0: Well, he's a psycho. That's what they do. <sighs> uh, I assume this is fat, alcoholic Norman, yes. like it picks oh, yeah. up with book Norman.
1: Yeah, yeah. And what he decides he's going to do is like, as he's driving down the street, he sees a hitchhiker and he's like, okay, I'm going to pick up this hitchhiker. I'm going to kill him and take his shit, set the van on fire with his body in there. They're going to think I'm dead. So they're not going to look for me. So that happens. They find a burned out van. They find the corpse. They find the nun's corpse. Ugh. Um, and then it goes to Lila and Sam Loomis who are married, you know, they're from the first one and he goes to Fairvale, kills them. Fuck. He's on a roll. Yeah. And then heads out to, to Hollywood. And there's this, uh, this psychologist who, who worked with Norman at the, uh, at the asylum and he's trying to, to catch up to him and to stop him. And he's trying to get in touch with the Hollywood people to be like, hey, you fuckers need to stop. Like, Norman's on his way and he's going to fucking kill people. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we still got to do it. This is great press for our movie that's coming out.
0: I'm glad things were just as cynical in the 80s as they are now.
1: <laughs> yeah. And um, long story short, Hollywood, people start dying. Whatever. I
0: mean, that doesn't sound like it would have been a bad movie either.
1: No, no. Especially not when you get to the twist. You ready for it? Should I spoil it? Yeah, nobody's yeah, going to go absolutely. read Psycho too. You don't see Norman... At all through this book, you know, but like people are dying, people are encountering a killer, people are getting killed. Then at like the, you know, the final girl moment or something comes out. It's that fucking psychiatrist. What the fuck? I can't remember if it was guilt or if it was his own psychosis, but he's been doing the killing, making people think it's Norman Bates. In fact, I think it's also like he doesn't remember it. Like he slips into the persona of Norman Bates. They find the hitchhiker. Norman tried to kill him. Hitchhiker killed Norman, then set the set the van on fire. Norman's dead.
2: Oh shit! He
1: was dead the whole time. That's a, that's a pretty good twist. Yeah, yeah. I w- I was pretty shocked by that. I was like, all right, so okay.
0: Through the book, like when it's talking, you know, like when it's describing the murders, how does it not say Norman or what's what does it? No, because
1: it, it's it's more. A lot of it is like finding deaths, or or you're like following characters in the book who are like. Oh shit, like we got to get to this point where this person might get killed and they show up and the person's dead oh. or something or like a set was lit on fire. It's not
0: following Norman.
1: Yeah. yeah, you never explicitly see Norman. Yeah, you're 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 with all the other characters the whole time. Oh, that's that's clever. I like that. I was kind of bummed at the same time though. I was like holy shit, like Oh, they killed off Norman Bates. You don't, you don't do that. But maybe it's that was ki- Robert Block it's saying, "Like character, hey,
0: I'll kill him off for fucking." Wow, to I hadn't <laughs> thought that deep about it. Like <laughs> I hadn't
1: thought about Norman or you know Robert Block doing this uh, to fuck Hollywood over. But like, yeah,
0: option this, you pieces of shit.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, and I mean, and then I guess we may as well just touch on it right now. Um, A few years later, or maybe, maybe even early '90s, maybe a decade later, they they did a third novel called Psycho House, where somebody's built like a replica of the psycho house and the motel as like a roadside attraction and people start dying. I've only heard the first couple chapters. Oh, interesting.
0: Having just watched like the first half of Psycho 3, like mm-hmm. it also has a nun who hitchhikes and a- a- yeah. who is a hitchhiker as well and has Yeah. It seems to be going to like take some sort of shine or something to, to, I like, I didn't see the end of the movie, so I don't know where it goes, but uh, I wonder if they pulled the nun and hitchhiking stuff from the book.
1: It's possible. And there's some things in, uh, in part four. Oh yeah. There's a character in, in psycho house. Like the character you're following is like a reporter who's sort of like doing a report on Marion crane and the, and the incident and like following her, her trail basically. Ah. Um, whereas in, in the book also, it, I think Fairvale is in Oklahoma and Mary crane was going from Texas, uh, up, up to like Missouri or something and, and stopped in Oklahoma or something like that. I can't say for sure. I don't remember the exact details, but, but not in California. Yeah. Texas, Oklahoma, maybe Arkansas. I don't know that part of the country. um, but yeah, there's a character in Psycho. Oh no, it's in. Oh no, it's in Psycho Three. Yeah, with the reporter. Yeah, yeah, the reporter oh, yeah, who's yeah. Out, like
0: kind of trailing them and stuff.
1: Yeah, 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 doing a report on that. So it is possible that that um that they pulled from that for uh for that story. I bet that really pissed Robert Block off. Well,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: look, Norman's alive, off scot-free, and he's back at it. Or
0: still aping your
1: shit. Yeah, you can't sue us because there's a reported character. Um, before we get into the the weeds with uh, part three, you want to take a little break? Yeah, yeah, I, I hear mother calling. <laughs> Weird. All right, we'll be right back.
2: We're a podcast about two parents and their kid going on a quest for good shows.
1: No, we're a podcast about two parents who are trapped in their own living room, and we have to endure time and space.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: Hi, I'm Rich. I'm Natalie. And this is not suitable for adults. Take 30 or 40 minutes out of your day to listen to us speak calmly and wisely to you about the best and the worst of kids' TV shows today and movies. And movies. So join us as we sit in our living room and talk about the things we don't want to watch
2: and some things we do want to watch.
1: Yeah, it's not all bad. Some of it's good. Some of it. Bye. Bye. All right. Welcome back, Ben. Oh, thanks, John. I appreciate that. Pleasure. How was your break? Uh, Pizza filled. Yeah. Yeah, man. I went to go to the bathroom, you know, and like you went out and did some stuff and then went into the house. Apparently, I was hoping you'd come back into the booth because I knocked on the wall of the garage after i was finally done and like i was just thinking about i was like oh i i hope ben's sitting in there so i can run in and say like when i knocked that's when i finally finished it was so long
2: (laughs) and I, i was so bummed that you weren't in here
1: those are the best man it was it was amazing i had to go so bad um so we were at psycho 3 Yeah, yeah. So Psycho Three is a movie that
0: I started watching.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So this one was nineteen eighty something six. six? Okay. Um, This takes place just months after Psycho Two because they are they're you know they got missing posters up and people are Mm -hmm. trying to find Mrs. Spool.
0: Months even it almost seems surprising.
2: Yeah.
1: Like I
0: mean it's got it's pretty immediate. Maybe it was a month. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it can't be that long because they're still. I know looking. the word
1: month was used.
0: Yeah, because they're still looking for spool, and uh, he he mentions that like the place was closed for a while for renovations, but like he was in the middle of those when he murdered her. So like, it it can't be that long.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, it it is a direct sequel. Um, he's got a little little hairstyle change, but yeah. that's that's fine. Um, this one was actually directed by Anthony Perkins himself. I think this was his directorial debut, um, unless I am uh, incorrect.
0: That wouldn't surprise me. Like I, like I said, I don't know the guy from really anything else. So, yeah. you know, there's nothing big. I don't think that, that I'm aware of that he might have directed.
1: Yeah. And, and this one, as well as Psycho 2, um, I forgot to mention, doesn't use the original Bernard Herman score. And that bums me out. I wonder if they didn't have the rights to it, maybe. Or they didn't want to pay for the rights to it, possibly. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder how that would work with a, with the new flick there. I mean, Universal's dumping money into here to, to get original cast members and shit in there. But, I don't know, maybe by that point, at least with Psycho 2, Vera Miles, you know, hadn't, uh, her, her star had dimmed a little bit. Um... But, yeah, Psycho 3 starts a little different with, uh, with like, a, a nun who has lost her faith. Yeah,
0: it starts with, like, a black screen and a lady screaming, God does not exist. Yeah. Uh, and then she accidentally, like, pushes a nun down a, like,
1: bell tower. Bell tower where she was going to throw herself off of. Yeah,
0: like, it's it's an interesting, Psycho 2 also had an interesting start. Like, like both of those movies kind of start, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Is this the right movie?
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, where are the weird lines? The boom, 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 boom Yeah. Yeah. And then she just
0: like leaves. And instead of like, I'm assuming there was a road that goes to that church, but she just like heads out into the desert.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like just straight into like, the desert. Is there
0: not a road that you, where you could drive to the, like, why would you just like, all right, fuck it. I'm just, I'm going to Moses this shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe she considered it her, uh, her penance, but in this one, it seems like more than in part two, they're going back to the well of the original Psycho. Like, even oh, though, yeah. like, stylistically, it's still very much of its time. It's still very That's much very an 80s, 80s slasher, slasher movie. Flick, yeah. yeah, but they, but, like, dialogue and, like, plot points, like, like this, um, this nun character, she's, you know, got short, cropped blonde hair. Her name is Marine, something that starts with C, yeah. so, you know, it's MC, like Marion Crane. And they're really pushing the whole like you know Norman's having like acid flashbacks basically with her you know like her reminding him of Marion.
0: Yeah, um, and and his mother is you know he's talking to the dead corpse mother like mm-hmm. you could like you know what you know you know the jigs up so like you see him talking to the corpse and her yelling at him and like he's very much back to the Norman we all know and love.
1: Yeah, status quo, crazy killer Norman. They, they do like fake outs with like the shower scene. Um, there's a scene where a woman gets killed in a uh, in a phone booth, which was the last thing we you, you watched where it is so much like a callback to uh, to the shower scene. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and it's a phone booth now and they give you the, the, Oh no, we we didn't get the shrieks with that. Never mind. No, we didn't get it. But, but a lot of the, you know, a lot of, a lot of quick cuts. It seemed like there were a few that were lifted. A lot of big arcing
0: stab motions and then cuts to her like screaming and, and she's kind of slides down the, the wall of the phone booth. Oh, and she's standing in broken glass. Ugh. yeah. Cause that Duke guy, uh, that guy's a
1: real piece of shit. Yeah. Jeff Fahey plays, uh, plays, something duke but everyone just calls me duke or what's his name like dave duke or Dwayne. something. Dwayne, Dwayne duke, duke. duke yeah. but you can call me duke uh he's a he's a real fast talker he's going to la to be a rock star
0: yeah that guy's uh that guy's a fucking piece of work yeah that weird sex scene with that the phone booth girl yeah like where she's like smoking a cigarette like moving all weird and like then it cuts to him and he's sitting there naked on a chair with like a lamp over his dick and another lamp next to him with like naked lady pictures taped to the lampshade, like yeah. moving them around. Like what the fuck is going on
1: right now? I don't know. Like Tony Perkins, <laughs> why are you letting this happen? Like, why
0: is, what the fuck is this scene? And I'm yeah. watching it like my son's with there with me watching it there. Oh, and, and he's even more confused than I am. Like what the fuck is yeah. going on?
1: I noticed he didn't want to keep watching the movie after you were gone. I wasn't sure if it was just from the stabs or from just being weird. Yeah, being awkward or the boobs being done. Because <laughs> there's, there's, like,
0: minutes of boobage. Yeah. Like, like it's not, like, a quick shot. Like, it, like she gets thrown out of the room in her underpants.
1: Yeah. Yeah, trying to fix her shirt. I mean, to be honest, like, growing up, you know, I, I, I told you this earlier off, Mike, but, like, my love for the Psycho movies goes in order of the movies, you know, like my favorites, I, each one of them gets less and less in my esteem. And what I remembered mostly for like years as I wasn't watching psycho three as much was just like those scenes with Jeff Fahey, both with that scene. And then also there's a scene later that, that you've yet to see um, where he of course meets his end. That just the way they're shot and the way they, like they just feel like a drug trip or something like, like, like a, like a, like a sliver of fear and loathing in Las Vegas or something where things just seem weird and greasy and sweaty and dirty. Like, I don't, I don't like that. It's an uncomfortable feeling for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, Anthony Perkins is great at playing Norman Bates, uh, you know, a little green as a director though yeah which which it it is I checked it is his first directorial debut mm-hmm. and the only one that he's actually credited to have directed
1: the only psycho movie or the only the movie only movie oh shit okay. okay, maybe he was good after that. I did appreciate how he's he carried some of the uh some of the language across not only with uh the kills but with those like super high angles either up at the house or like looking down from the house at the motel Yeah, you know, like it it was it was still. It's still a good movie. I still like it, especially after having seen part 2 so recently. I didn't realize those those two movies were connected so much. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, they they are they're very connected. But yeah, I mean it it's a, it just gets a little tough. But I absolutely still recommend people watch it.
0: Yeah, I'll probably finish it still. Like okay. it, it hadn't super impressed me, but I was curious where it was going.
1: Okay, then I won't ruin anything for you, but like this movie definitely was was designed, you know, I mean, like so many movies with many more sequels after them in the 80s were designed um, was to be, you know, an end of sorts. Like, like it, it capped off the story. It could end right there. Um, it doesn't. No,
2: because then we have Psycho 4,
1: <laughs> which was a, uh, a TV movie for HBO. And this one delves into um, young Norman Bates, played by Henry Thomas.
0: Oh, so this is like an origin
1: story. Yeah. It, I mean, it's framed. Okay. So it's got, it's got adult Norman and see, I don't I want to spoil this for, well, then again, you're probably never going to watch this. Are you?
0: No, I not, not before I forget whatever you
1: say. <laughs> so it's got CCH Pounder. Do you, do you know who that is? It's a cool fucking name. Yeah. This, like a porn the, star, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, I can't think of anything else she was in. Like, I think for years I thought she was the chief in the uh Where in the World is Carmen San TV show. And only the other day did I start questioning that. And then I looked it up and she sure is not. But no, she's um she's a uh, a very talented actor who fuck i don't i don't know anything else she's done off the top of my head screen legend cch <laughs> pounder yeah let's let's look her up because i know she's got other credits i know i've seen her in other things but
0: i mean that's a that that's a dude fucking porn name if i've ever heard one. cch pounder, pounder like yeah, yeah god damn i don't know what cc and h stands for but
1: it's it's something sexual
0: <laughs> oh shit yeah i know i've seen this lady yeah uh, if, she, if she had to have been something else, because I definitely recognize her.
1: Baghdad Cafe, huh? Uh, NCIS New Orleans, The Shield, Orphan, Warehouse 13. Oh,
0: Sons of Anarchy. She was in
1: Sons of Anarchy. Oh, okay. Watched that, yep. Yeah, she's great in this flick, too. She plays, like, this is the framing device. She plays a radio host who's speaking with, with like, murderers and psychologists specifically about matricide, which is the, the killing of a mother. And um, they bring back the, uh, the psychiatrist from the end of the original Psycho, who, exp- who does the whole expository, like, here's what it was. And, um, and so that was cool to see, to see him again. But then Norman calls into the show to be like, I killed my mother and other people, and I'm going to kill again. Like, what? what?
0: Snap.
1: Yeah, so he's telling the story of his childhood. And yeah. then they're trying to figure out like who he's, who he is and who he's going to kill, because he says his name is Ed. Eh? Ed Gein? Eh? So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of backstory with, uh, Henry Thomas. And then Olivia Hussey plays his mother, who the, the only big thing I know her from is that old, that Romeo and Juliet from like the sixties, um, that we had to watch in high school. Yeah. I-, I think showed a wiener in it, but it also showed, showed her boobs. And I remember being, being in high school and just being like boobs in class. I was like watching it over at Preston's house. Like, oh, we got away with something. <laughs> um, but it, it showed a, it, like it, it, it showed why Norman Bates would be so fucked up. Um, problem with that movie, in my opinion, is that it showed too much. Whereas it took the in, mystique away, exactly. In the old movies, you know, like not knowing, that, you know, not see it, it, even so much as just like like I know that it's going to be Norman killing somebody dressed as mother. I don't need to see Norman putting on a wig and a dress and like in full like vision, like see Henry Thomas killing somebody. That's not what I need in, in a psycho movie. it just like it didn't have any class. It just seemed really cheap. And, like, nothing was implied. Like, it, there, there, was, there was no yeah, mystery. It's too
0: on the nose. Yeah. There's no suspense to it then at all, which is, like, a key factor in, yeah. uh, in a psycho movie, I think.
1: Yeah. And, like, I don't need to see Norman performing taxidermy on his mother's corpse. Like, I don't need to see that. It also has a line from an older woman that Norman is, uh, is making out with where she says, You've got a tongue like an elephant's memory. It's, it, I guess it's long. Goes a long way. I don't know. I have no idea. That's, that's <laughs> a weird fucking lie. Yeah. And one other thing that really, really bothered me about this movie was that there's a couple parts where it shows Norman Bates in control of his actions when he's killing as mother. We're like, oh, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Where, where he's, he's
0: got, it's like a psychotic break, man. Like, mm-hmm. he does not. There has to be a disassociation between Norman Bates and Mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I don't like that at all.
1: Yeah, like, that was what was so good about the original book, was that he blacked out. So, so you're like, okay, Norman has no clue, you know, what is happening while he's blacked out.
0: And he, Even in all the movies, like, he legitimately... Like, there there seems to be a legitimate break where he's surprised Mother killed someone, or yeah. he doesn't remember what's going on. Like, that is, that's a, a through line there, that, that yeah. Mother is a, se- even though it is him, it's a separate personality that he's not in control of and is not aware of what's happening while it's happening yep. and is not aware that it's him. Yes. Like, he doesn't know that he is mother.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and in psycho four, like they show, they show Norman having a bit of like remorse and worry while he's doing some of the killing. And you're like, no, that's, that's not what this is. This is mother having taken over before watching it this this most recent time i would have told you it was much better than it actually is it's <laughs> it's kind of a stinker it's a bummer but there are some really cool scenes you know showing like the the damage that mother did like they're at at his dad's funeral and you know like they're st- they're sitting there sad he's sitting next to her and like she's got her arms folded and like her hand below her arm is like tickling him and then when he finally can't stand it and he laughs, she slaps him across the face. Oh, monster. Yeah. And you know, like he was out in the storm doing something and like he comes in to check on her and she's like, she's like, Oh no, climb in here and and snuggle, you know, get warm. And then she's like, Oh no, you know, not with those wet clothes. So he gets it down to like his tidy whiteies, And then he like the, the, the way, I mean, it's, it's not, even though they don't, they don't just, they don't show it, but like, it's a weird thing for him and he gets a boner and he has to like run out because he's just like, what the fuck is going on here? And there's a different scene where, where it implies that he gets a boner when she's like messing with him and on top of him. And then she like ridicules him and like, you know, makes him put on her dress and like calls him a little girl and stuff. Like it's, it's because little girls get boners. Well, no, I mean, she, she apparently is just like pure, like man hater. And you know she's like, you'll hate that thing between your legs and shit like that. Like, I, I don't know. Like, she did some fucking damage. And like the scene when he kills mother and and the boy and the uh the boyfriend goes on a little too long, but it's 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 pretty intense, but I mean just the movie as whole well is kind of cheap. Oh, and he's going to kill his wife. Oh, he's married now. Oh, he married uh he married one of the nurses in the in the psychi- psychiatric facility. They fell in love there. And he's going to kill her because she got pregnant. Cuz he said can't get pregnant. My bloodline has to end because my crazy came from my mom and I don't want to bring crazy into the world. And, uh, she stops taking her birth control without telling him so she can get pregnant. And she's just like, no, it'll be great. Our child will love you. And, and it'll be fine. It's like, Oh, Oh, oh. (laughs) I don't think you deserve to die, but that's, that's some shady shit. You should not be married to someone. That was a bad decision. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, he gets free of everything in the end. And that ends Anthony Perkins is a uh, psycho.
0: After that, it doesn't sound like he needs to make any more.
1: No, the, the like franchise is good and run up.
0: For, you know, for me, like, the, you know, like looking at like when you said there was four movies and a remake, I was just like this. I don't think this series needs four movies. <laughs> I think like the one is is fine. Like, it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. That said, Psycho 2 was a good follow up. I enjoyed it. So like, it, I don't think it lessened or cheapened the original at all. Um, but four, it's hard to make four movies of something that was not intended to have four movies and have them still be good.
1: Yeah. And like, even though three is not as good as two, I'm still glad three happened. And, you know, like I said, it it gave, it gave uh, a resolution to the story. Like there, there, there was, even though you could have ended after number two and you're like, Hey, look. You know, he's he's probably still crazy, but he's still at large. Like I liked the way number 2 wrapped up with Yeah. You know, everything oh, yeah. everything being attributed to someone else even though he had gone crazy at that point.
0: Yeah, like the sheriff's fully on his side.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're like leave leave Norman alone. That 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 was a really fun aspect of it. Um I mean, then the remake, do we really need to say much Gus Van Sant made a remake?
0: Yeah, I trying to do a shot for shot remake of a beloved fantastic movie like what what did he what did he think he was going to accomplish like he wasn't even trying to add anything new to it he was just trying to remake the movie with vince vaughn as norman bates which uh i just don't buy
1: yeah or anne Hayes' marion crane r.i.p that, at least marion crane's not as
0: iconic or complex, you know, like not as particular a character like Marion Crane. I like, okay. Like my mind could be like, oh, yeah, somebody else could probably pull it off. And, but Vince
1: Vaughn didn't do it for no. me. No, And like his, his little, like,
2: <laughs>
1: you know, like, like uh, you, that giggles dumb. Like it does not sound like a nervous giggle or anything. It just, it sounds like, like you're, I don't even know what it sounds like. I mean, I can run through my notes real quick. Cause I stopped taking notes right after the death of Arbogast. Because I actually started watching, I was kind of falling asleep during it, but I was watching it in black and white for the most part. I did not
0: rewatch this movie. I remember watching it years ago and uh, thinking it was not great and then forgetting
1: that it even existed. So here's, I mean, I've probably got like 10 little notes. Great opening shot because they actually did succeed in the shot that originally Alfred Hitchcock wanted to have a helicopter shot that goes from over the skyline of Phoenix into the window where Marion and, uh, and Sam are. But they couldn't pull it off. with it was, There was too much shaking and too much, you know, mess. But, I mean, with modern technology, they pulled that shot off really well. I said the old dialogue doesn't work in the, for the late 90s. Because it seems silly hearing Ann Heche saying uh, Janet Lee's words. Vigo Mortensen's accent is dumb. He's got, like, a southern accent.
2: <laughs>
0: I forgot Vigo Mortensen was even in yeah, this Yeah, he movie. plays
1: Sam. Yeah, yeah, totally. Vince Vaughn's laugh is the worst part. Next one is, ew, he was clearly jerking off for 15 seconds before ejac. When he's, like, peering through the window at Marion Crane, like, he's explicitly, like, sitting there jerking off. Like, oh, we don't need that. Yeah, for, like, 10 seconds. Yeah, like, I don't even remember that being implied in the original. Um, there, oh, was, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm it was, certain it wasn't. Um, I said, why the new house? Yeah, uh, the old house was great. Yeah. Why? I tried to look it up, but I, I didn't spend enough time to actually find it. it. All of it was just like, why was this remade? Not like, why did they put a new house in the remake? And then I said, new shower scene was stupid with its high frame rate and inserts of rolling clouds. It was really bizarre. Like, Steam, John. No, no, no. It, no oh, jeez. I, I don't know. It, well, it was like, like the scene itself was shot in higher frame rate, which is annoying as it is. But then they would, like, insert shots of, like, sped up, like, clouds moving through the sky. It was really bizarre. And then I said, Vince, Vince Vaughn has some big, meaty sausage fingers. There's, like, one shot where, it's, where his <laughs> hands, like, up on his chest. I'm like, ah, what are those things? They look like Snickers bars.
0: Hey, what's wrong with meaty
1: <laughs> no, sausage no, no. fingers? No, no, no. His, his, his are, like, no, they're, they're worse than yours. And then the last one I said, Arbogast dethroned. Dethroned? Oh, maybe it was death scene. They fall off the toilet. <laughs> no, um, with video inserts also. There was like a video insert of like a tiger and like a woman in underpants or something. Like as he's getting slashed before he falls backwards down the stairs. I don't remember that at all. Really dumb. Just I mean, just like a few frames. A tiger? I believe it was a tiger, and like a woman, like like laying like in her underpants or something. I don't know. We could look like it up. Like she would
0: against a tiger.
1: Yeah. Oh, no. It was no, of Two van. separate shots.
0: No, no, I'm just saying, like, oh, okay. you know, uh, if I had a van with yeah, a woman fit. and a tiger, that's how she'd play.
1: <laughs> and a wizard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I mean, Julianne Moore, great actress, but like, yeah, she was trying to play like some, some like hip young woman that, that it just, I think I've seen Julianne Moore too much since she's been in like her thirties and playing like respectable roles and stuff. So it was weird seeing her with like, you know, headphones and a disc man. And like, cause Lila in the original, um, in the book, I think was like purchaser for a store that may have been a record store. I'm not sure, but I don't know, man, I didn't need that in my life. I was trying to finish it last night and I'm pretty sure I fell asleep. That seems fair. Yeah. So the last thing to talk about, <laughs> I, I, I really love these episodes where I just talk forever <laughs> about things you haven't experienced, uh, but I'll, I'll make this quick. Bates Motel, the TV series. What's your experience with it?
0: So I started watching it with my wife, and I think I got through the first series, or the first uh, season. What are you, British? It was okay. It was a little slow, but it it didn't necessarily grab me, and she wanted to keep watching it, and I let her do that and never went back to it.
1: Yeah. This was,
0: like, shortly after it was new. Yeah. So, uh... My memory is is pretty minimal. Yeah, I like I I don't remember it, like offending me. and being Like this isn't psycho. Norman wouldn't do that. <laughs> like nothing made me, you know, upset me about it. But uh, it just didn't. Uh, it failed to, to get its hooks in me.
1: Yeah, it was it was very much, you know, drawn out television. You know, taking a story concept and trying to build a universe around it. And I mean, I wouldn't watch the whole series. It it
2: wasn't
1: it wasn't bad. I mean, Freddie Highmore. Brought in an interesting uh, uh, take on on Norman Bates. He wasn't bad. He cried a lot. Uh, they didn't need him to cry so much. Vera Farmiga was a really cool Norma, Norma Bates, and like she was an executive producer on the series, so they they really developed the character of Norma with, to the point to where it made me think like everything I've seen of Norma from the movies and what a piece of shit she is is coming from Norman. So like it's possible that she was a more sympathetic character when she was alive, like she was in the TV series. There were still some weird things, but
0: probably a more complex character than, than what he remembers or what, you know, his mother is in his brain.
1: Yeah. What, what caused
0: his trauma, you know? So I, I remember that from like the first season, like she didn't seem like she was like, she just seemed like a normal mom. Like she had like a few things here and there, but like she wasn't like mother from the, Which I'm sure they were developing towards that. I mean, it went on for five damn seasons. So,
1: you know, they would do little things like, like, you know, he's, he's like a sophomore in high school or something or, or junior. And like there, you know, she'd say like, come cuddle with me and sleep in my bed and stuff like that. That that was a little like, it's not like incestuous, but it's weird. And if your kid has, you know, mental health issues, it could create something weird they also introduced some other characters that, that like the storylines, they, they were, they were fine. You know, Norman, Norman pretty quickly starts blacking out and, and people start dying. And so,
0: so in the show, he's murdering people way before she's yes. dead. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's a bit of a change, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean,
0: I guess there was from nothing, the Henry
1: Thomas one. Yes.
0: There was nothing Im, you know, necessarily implying that he didn't do that, I guess. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, there, there was a bunch of stuff in the series that, was faithful to the book. You know, that it was stuff that that came from the book. What I what it was, you know, it's hard for me to remember right now. But I remember thinking in the moment, you know, like, oh shit, that's from the book. That's not from the movie. And then season four ends in let's see, with without without spoiling it, I mean well, I mean it doesn't matter either way, but basically season four ends in a way that would be that would perfectly lead into the first psycho movie. Oh nice. Mother's dead Wait, there's one more season. Yes. So I I have a feeling they didn't think they were or they were prepared to not get a season five. And they just they ended it in in the way to where all the loose ends from the TV series, all these characters you don't know are they're taken care of. Like they're they're out of the picture. We are good from here, it's Norman Bates and it's his dead mother, and he feels guilt. You know, like it, I, I, think by that point he had he had put on a dress. Like they they had dabbled in that over uh, over the 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 series run or the run of the series, and then season five takes you in a different direction, and I really liked it.
0: Yeah they didn't I, like jump the shark and be like like no there's time travel or something no, ridiculous.
1: I I accepted once once they didn't end the series there I accepted that this was not going to lead into the into the movies and I was like okay I'm I'm good. And like the last the last season the last like episode too is heartbreaking. Like like you're invested in Norman even though like he'd been kind of an insufferable piece of shit for a little bit. And there, you know, there are some good conflicts with Norman and uh, Nestor Carbonell's uh, sheriff. They went in a different direction and it was good for what it was. It was something different, but it wasn't bad. I mean, spoiler alert, because who gives a fuck? Nobody's going to go out and watch five seasons. I know I'm not. They kill Norman at the end of it. That is a different direction. Yeah. And, and it's, it's heartbreaking. So it's like, like an
0: alternate universe? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, Totally. He, and he's got a brother in the series. Did he? Did he have it in the first season too? Uh, yeah, he oh, shows oh up yeah, in the first he does season, have
0: like, like a younger brother, right?
1: No, he's older, older, a few oh, years fuck. older. I don't
0: know.
1: Yeah. Um. And I didn't like the the brother the first time because the first time I went to watch the series, I watched yeah like the first season, season and a half, and I gave up on it until like six months ago, and I just went went and watched it all. Yeah the the brother comes home to the house where where mother's corpse is and and norman's like come on for dinner like we're a family we can be a family blah 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 and you know like it's and and the brother's just like what the fuck like like he he's known that norman's had had a problem and and has killed people um but he didn't know you know that his mom was dead Uh, he knew that ma that the mom was dead that was public knowledge okay but he didn't know that norman like had the corpse and was you know all of that stuff and he, Norman basically forces his hand and, and he, he kills Norman. And then there's like a, you know, touching, like, you know, sort of like surreal, like I'm going back to be with my mother and now I'm at peace sort of thing. And it was it was really sad.
0: It's an interesting way. To I wonder if they just they had four seasons planned and they were like, we need a fifth one. And you're like, what the fuck do we like? We, we finished. it. What the
1: fuck do we do yeah. now? Like, yeah, all right, fuck
0: it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go crazy. With this
1: shit. Let's I'm go not A&E. joking. Like I, I, I had thought about not watching the fifth season because I was like, this goes so perfectly into the movies that I don't want to see what happens after this. I don't, I don't want them to fuck it up. Um, but no, it was all in all. It's a good series. It's, it's, it's worth a watch. I'll probably never go back and watch it again, but, but it was, it was worth watching. I, there's a lot worse TV there. Woo. <laughs> we did it. <sighs> All right. We We've well, done psychoed. I already said my favorite use in pop culture. You got one? Yeah. So,
0: I mean, this was tough because there's not a lot of psycho outside of s- psycho.
1: There is not.
0: Um, uh, so I just went, uh, I'm, I'm going with the house. The house is, uh, it's iconic. It's just a spooky old Victorian house. You know, it's on the back lot tour, which I, like I vaguely remembered. And then, you know you mentioned that it's definitely there i think it's still there it is one of the more important things about Psycho. like when they changed it in the remake like fuck you guys no don't do that yeah what the fuck's your problem that's not the psycho house and, and i guess it was built from like parts of um uh, the the harvey house you know the set from a jimmy stewart movie called harvey
1: yeah on the universal backlot there yeah that was
0: that was based on like a painting that somebody liked the uh of a a house next to a railroad Yep that that is still there it's like the inspiration for the psycho house still exists it doesn't look that much like the psycho house though
1: so no it's it's got it like from one angle like like you can see like the front kind of yeah i remember looking into that a little while ago. you can
0: see the resemblance but uh it ain't the same
1: no uh and,
0: and it's just it's it's iconic it's rad yeah and you can go see it which Honestly,
1: that, that was one of my favorite parts of the the backlot tour was was going there. Like, I, I fucking love seeing that motel in that house. Like, I don't I don't know if it's still there anymore. Who knows? It, it should be. But I haven't been to universal in probably, geez, 15 years or so. But I mean, we, we went a bunch when I was growing up. And I remember a story about one time when Jim Carrey was shooting something there when a, a tram tour came by. He ran out of the house, dressed his mother with a knife, and, and like ran down awesome. the hill and jumped on the uh on the, the tram. Like that's fucking cool.
0: What a cool story that would be to have been on that tram. Oh shit. That's amazing. Yeah, and I guess for years it was just two walls. Like there oh, was yeah. no back to the house. It was completely fake. Yep. And I think uh I don't know if it's for one of the movies, but they added because in Psycho too they show a little i mean i guess what could be more of the house is like establishing shots like they do the one from the roof down Mm -hmm. and like the the outside of the fruit cellar Mm -hmm. but those could be fucking anywhere they didn't even necessarily need to be on the house so i don't know if they added to it for that or what but it is now a four-walled house oh cool like you can walk all the way around it
1: (laughs) yeah and you'd see like the grinch land back behind it or something
0: yeah (laughs) it's cool that it's that it's still there
1: yeah like that's Cause it's,
0: it's film history. Yeah, Come on. exactly. It is film history. Cause it's not a draw. I don't imagine. I can't imagine that many people are going there to see the psycho house. Yeah.
1: Like if it was a roadside attraction, it probably wouldn't last. I, yeah. I Like it probably wouldn't, wouldn't get the kind of money you would want. Like if it was like an Airbnb, I would totally fucking oh, want to stay fuck? there. Yeah. But I wonder if it would attract people who wanted to murder people. Oh
0: yeah. No shit. Right. One thing I don't know is, like, the interior of the house, I'm assuming, is not actually inside the house.
1: I don't think it's ever been built with the interior except for Bates Motel. Like, in the TV series, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was there very much, through. yeah, like, like, like a complete house and motel on location.
0: Yeah, it looks, it looks like all the interior shots of the original movie were just done in sound stages. They just built them in a sound stage, which means they had to rebuild them later on. Yeah. Did a damn good job. Yeah. All the interior shots, with the exception of Vince Vaughn 1, looked, <laughs> looked right. They looked like the house.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, um, do you have a one-word review for this? Not yet. Me either, but I'm going to go ahead and just pick one real quick. I'm going to go with Sensational. It's okay. Because, I mean, uh, for multiple reasons, of course, there was the uh, the sensation that it was in pop culture because this movie was fucking huge when it first released. Like it was giant and just like, you know, it's it's it was probably one of the earliest instances of like, don't spoil this shit, like no spoilers, please, because that's a huge thing. Like, I mean, it just it caused a sensation throughout the, the, uh, the cinematic experience throughout America. Like it and it was just, pushing
0: boundaries, you know, and yeah. like people, audiences had not seen a movie like this before. Like yeah. that doesn't yeah. happen very often anymore.
1: Yeah. So maybe I'll ditch the whole multiple reasons thing. Cause I don't know how many more reasons I have it, but you know, like just, just the, the entire franchise is just built upon, you know, shock and suspense and, and creating, creating a scene you know, for, for you to be a part of for a little bit and to try to guess it takes you for an emotional ride. And I truly, I truly love it. And you know what, if they want to make, if they want to make a new one, that is not a shot for shot remake of the original yeah, or, or just something entirely different. I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe this isn't the same as like an Indiana Jones where I'm like, just keep making them. Maybe they'll be good. Yeah.
0: Leave mother in her grave, Norman.
1: Yeah. Like I, <laughs> like I, I guess Bates Motel was, up. was the shot at, at yeah. doing something different and, and it wasn't bad. Yeah. So maybe this just does just need to die. Huh? Much like this show. No, I'm just
2: kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think I'm just going to go with suspense. Cause I mean, I think that is the, the through line for a proper psycho movie. That's what the first one had in spades. I mean, that's what, you know, Hitchcock was the master of suspense. Mm-hmm. And Psycho is a wonderful example of him perfecting his craft.
1: Yeah, what he can do.
0: Yeah, and, then, and, and I think the second one kept it up really well. Like, the idea, you go into it, you're not really sure what's happening, you start formulating opinions, maybe, and you, then you realize, well, no, fuck, that might not be right. And you're questioning yourself all the way up until the end when the truth is revealed and uh, you know, and that's, that's hard to do and it's hard to do well. And just, and compellingly, mm-hmm. you don't want to pull an M night shamal on where it's just some fucking absolutely ridiculous shit that n- there was no way you could have seen coming. Like, but you know, to keep you wrapped in suspense and wanting to know what's going to happen and not knowing what's going to happen and then give you a satisfying ending. It has to be something that with the second time around, when you watch it, you're like, okay, I fucking get it. Yeah. And it does that really, really well. Like it, it's, it's, It's like the grandfather of the slasher movie, Mm -hmm. but most slasher movies completely miss out on that suspense element. You know, you get a little bit of it here and there, but a lot of them just, they eventually just defaulted to gore and tits, which I love gore and tits. Yeah.
1: But we're, we're children of the eighties. We, yeah. yeah,
0: but it's, it's missing that little bit of magic.
1: Well and, and that's the thing like like what came of the slasher genre in the 80s and which ironically like psycho came back around to you know to to ape but like one of the one of the earliest movies that started it like after Halloween was Friday the 13th and yeah. Friday the 13th absolutely has its DNA in psycho you know like it's it's a reversal on you know the mother killing for the child's sake but it's got all the suspense and all the mystery mm-hmm. Um, it's got a, a score that is totally inspired by Bernard Herman's, uh, original. Yeah.
0: 100%
1: composition there. And, you know, it, it could have stood on its own as, you know, like a great suspense movie, you know, that, that then just got turned into something completely different. But I mean, it was absolutely paying its, its respects and its dues to psycho.
0: Even Halloween to a degree. I mean, like it wasn't quite as. On the nose, but like yeah. the early slasher movies, owe a lot to what Psycho did, and it took a long time for that to come back around because there was there's a bit of a drought in between Psycho and you know Halloween in the late seventies.
1: Yeah, we'll have to go listen to our slashers episode to, to see what happened between there because we yeah, were they're... really well well researched back then. <laughs> we cared. I've done a lifetime of research for this episode. Shit.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, uh, go leave us a uh...
1: five. What five? what five and buttholes?: buttholes <laughs> we didn't
0: even mention an butthole yeah <laughs> um
1: well he's thinking everybody i learned this from uh from hollywood babylon kevin smith uh they they've got a uh, like a recurring reoccurring segment about buttholes in cinema because kevin smith noticed that when Anhesh falls forward in uh, the psycho remake you can for for a frame or two see that butthole
0: Something Alfred Hitchcock would have never allowed.
1: No, and apparently they did have a shot planned where she falls over the tub like that, but they took it. But they didn't do it because they didn't want to show her butt, much less her rectum. Yeah, actual sphincter. Yeah, my God.
0: Uh, anyway, if you enjoyed the show, uh, go leave us a uh, five taxidermied bird review. <laughs> <laughs> We've got swag available at shop.geekexplorationpodcast.com. We're part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. We got a Discord, uh, and our theme song is "Cruising for Goblins" by Kevin McLeod of incompetech.com.
1: And remember, a boy's best friend is his mother.